how amazing Demi Lovato's new album is. Okay. Uh, first off, I was going to tell you when we get in the car to go see My Chem tomorrow, that album will be on. That was the plan. Right away. Like, after we get our Starbucks, right away. That was the plan. It's going on. Like, this album, so there's like... Between me and Lee and our music types, it's the it's the Arnold Schwarzenegger, you son of a bitch, handshake. So in the middle, My Chemical Romance, Paramore, Desrox, Desrox, Scene Queen, and now Demi Lovato. Yes, this album perf- it contains theater and metal together in harmony. It's so fucking good. I love this album so much. Even Josh has been banging it. It's Josh. I, I literally came in the house. He was doing the dishes, listening to Holy Fuck. As he should. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Uh, yeah, I the, I knew it was going to be a heavier album because Demi had been hinting at it. And the, the singles were definitely more like a pop punk But damn, sound. did she go in. But then you start the album last Friday for the first time and Freak with Youngblood as the opening track. And I was like, okay. I get down to this and it gets to eat me with Royal and or, Love yeah, Royal and the Serpent. And I was like, what the fuck? I've never on the first listen of an album, I've never stopped and gone back and listened to a song again. I listened to Eat Me twice in a row because it was so fucking good. Literally like that song and the first opener. That is Freak a show. great opener. Like the chords that she has in that chorus. Ooh, There's not lands a on that one. song that I dislike on the album. No. The one that's the weakest for me is... The Wolf Song. Uh, that one's okay. For Skin of, Skin of My Teeth is not my favorite. I love Skin of My Teeth. It's not my favorite. Okay, I think I think it's partially... If you watch Demi's YouTube documentary, mm-hmm. I think it's better so, with the context. That makes sense. But even... I like the subject matter of it. It's just, I guess, the organization of the song. I love it. And I love the the final chorus where she's just like shouting over the chorus mm-hmm. live. Ugh, it's going to be so fucking good. Yeah. I'm kind of jealous now. I want to go see her, but. October. When in October? 20. Is it a. Second to Friday. But it's in Charlotte, right? It's in Charlotte. I have a single ticket in the sixth row. What time does it open? Uh, seven. Let me it's think about the 21st. It. I may I may think about joining for that because honestly that I I am blown away by that album like and I don't really venture that much into like the pop even pop punk is not my mm-hmm. favorite stuff. I mean it's good I will listen to it when it's on I have nothing against it it's just not what grabs me all the time this album is just so well written and so well executed that it just like overrides that for me. It's what Demi's wanted to make all along. And mm-hmm. I think the timing is perfect. Dancing with the Devil is an amazing album. Mm-hmm. It shows off Demi's vocal ability. and But it's fucking depressing. Because yeah. it was right after their overdose. Like, mm. like right after. I think the overdose happened in like January. Mm-hmm. And the album came out in July because Scooter Braun is a fucking idiot and yeah. just pushes his stars to do things they're not quite ready for. But that's a conversation for another time. Yeah. Um, whereas this album has been marinating a little longer, throws back to the her first two albums, uh, Don't Forget and Here We Go Again, which was very much a like Disney Channel image, yeah. but definitely had like a Paramore influence. 
Yeah. It was 2008 when Don't Forget came out. I was 14. Fucking repeated that album for six months. I still, I, the other day I put it on. I still know every word of that album. <laughs> <laughs> There's just ones that do it. But I don't There's know where my CD is. I tore my attic apart trying to find my CD. I found my copy of Here We Go Have again. you heard of Spotify? Yeah, but I wanted to find my CD. Mm. And do what with it? Sell it on eBay? And look at it. <laughs> look at it. I just want to know it existed. It. In my, I pulled out my CD book. <laughs> yes. I think it's somewhere in my old car. And that's do you see my dusty we... DVD and Blu-ray? Yeah. So let me tell you about a story. So I'm on, this is the longest cold open, but we're just going to go for it. We don't it. care. Also, we haven't seen each other in a bit. Yeah. Which has been, it's because my car has been yeah. broken. So we haven't been at the gym at the same time. So my pre, this is my second couch this year. Yes. My first couch broke because I had seven people on it and. That'll do it. Yeah. Didn't think through that. But um, so it broke and the middle section was kind of broken. So I literally because I was just so frustrated with how much it was breaking and affecting the rest of the couch. I took that DVD and Blu-ray thing because it's so thick and I stuck it under <laughs> where it was breaking and it worked. Well, it was the perfect height. And it's a it's a chunkster. OK, there, there's 10 years of collecting in that hopefully <laughs> your dvds disres- are okay it's disrespectful really to yeah, the dvds and blu-rays but it needed to be done i hope they're okay hope i'm they sure survived. they're fine i'm sure that case is built to last so r.i.p dvds it'll be fine anyway i'm leah i'm bethan and this is she will rock you where are they getting a dub in a CBS executive meeting? No. Bitch, don't touch my thermostat. <laughs> the ghost be like, pull up before I haul you. Let me turn down the thermostat. Who is this band? We're on page one, guys. <laughs> this is She And that was the longest opening of the show, I swear. It's five minutes. Right around there. Uh, If you're new here, welcome. Welcome. We haven't welcomed new listeners in a very long time, so <laughs> hello. Leave us a review, please. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. This is the end of the business segment of this podcast. Thank, thank you. Thank you. So as I do, I usually try to like space out when we do heavier episodes. And Nina Simone was a heavier episode. Yeah, that was a heavy week. <laughs> that was a very heavy week. And so I literally was going to cover one artist and I had to move it because I was like, I wasn't expecting Nina to be that heavy. Mm-hmm. So I had to move the other artist. So that artist has been moved out probably to 2023. We'll Ugh. talk about her later. She's really cool. I don't want to think about 2023 yet. I love this artist, but I had to move her. Um, So then I was like, hmm, I need to find something that's a little fun and light. So when I usually want fun and light, I look at the punk scene. (laughs) Which is so ironic. (laughs) Because the punk scene is the funniest scene ever. And it's because they they see themselves as so serious. And me as a hardcore kid, a branch, a, a offspring... Of that punk tree. Yes. It is so funny to look at your grandparents and just laugh <laughs> at what they take as serious. Anyway, um, so I kind of was looking there and I was thinking about doing this one artist. I'm not going to mention because maybe I'll cover them. And this band was hyperlinked. And it was like as if I've like never heard of this band all of a sudden. And it was just like this Eureka light bulb moment. And I was like, shit, I got to do Weezer. It just it just came out. And then the Carl Weezer <laughs> memes started pouring in. <laughs> I uh, may have snuck some Carl Weezer buff uh, pictures in Leah's outline yes. as she was getting ready. I opened it up and I was like, why did my outline get a page long? 
what is Carl <laughs> Weezer doing in here? <laughs> I found all the memeified ones. Yes. All of them. I'm impressed that many exist, to be honest. <laughs> and then I sent her quite, uh, songs of Weezer, Carl Weezer performing Weezer. This which is what TikTok has done to us. She's brilliant. Dude, I, I love me some good old Carl Weezer humor. Truly. It's an it's a very weird Jimmy's meme mom. genre. She's <laughs> got it going on. Yes. Um, there's also a video of him singing Redbone by Childish Gambino. That's very random. It was a good one. All right. So I'm covering Weezer because I wanted to get the farthest away I could from Heavy. I didn't really succeed because there's a lot of talk about depression, but I tried. Um, but it's not as heavy as the other ones. It's still plenty of fun. Um, anyway, for some reason, though, as I was telling Leah before this, this was the fastest outline I wrote because literally I did not decide on a band till Monday. It's Thursday for context. It's Thursday. And literally I was just like, this is it. And it was the easiest outline ever written. It, it was, was just an easy it, week came to me i wrote mine in one sitting so i'm very excited for this episode um because i think that as someone put it this is the eccentric uncles of alternative rock that's not wrong it's not wrong so anyway you know how we do let's start with the band intros first up we got the lead singer rivers cuomo he was born in new york city on june 13th 1970 his mom was German-English descent. His dad was of Italian descent. Now, normally, I don't pinpoint origins as much as I used to when we first started, but I'm putting it in just simply for this next fact alone. His mom says his name came from him being born between the East and the Hudson and hearing the sounds of rivers while she was in the hospital giving birth. But Dad over here gives the most Italian answer I've ever heard in my life. He says he was named after the soccer players Rivlioni, Luigi, Riva, and Gianni <laughs> Rivera, who won the 1970s World Cup. Let me tell you, folks, for those who are not in Italian families, I cannot tell you how many times this happens in families because my maiden name, Chaccio, my dad's an identical twin. So you ask my dad what it means, and he'll say, it means son of the tall man. And then you go to my uncle, and he'll say, it means great hunter. <laughs> and they will just stick to it. And then we found out from an old Italian lady who was, like, from uh, uh, Sicily. Sicily? Yeah. Don't look at me. I'm not Italian. What the fuck? Sicily, yeah. My brain was like, that's not right. And that, I'm like, no, no, it is right. in Italy. My brain kind of broke for a second. And my aunt, who was in the hospital working at that time, she's the lady recognized the last name. She goes, Chachio. And she goes, yeah, you know that name? And she goes, yeah, do you know what it means? And my aunt goes, no. And she starts doing this motion for talker. And nothing has made more sense in my <laughs> life. Anyway, moving on past that. He was raised in a variety of ashrams, um, which are Buddhist communities. Yeah, I was going to say, they have those in New York City? Yeah. Yeah, they do. Actually, the, speaking of which, so the first one's in Rochester. It's called the Rochester Zen Center. And then they eventually moved to Yogaville. Okay. And I did not know this. Did you know Yogaville was in Connecticut first? No. Yeah, it was in Connecticut first, and then it moved out to Buckingham. That's an interesting place to grow up. We're, how far are we from? It's like three hours. We're three hours from it? Yeah. I felt like it was closer. Anyway. 
Um, and uh, we are in the states, and we're in Virginia, so it's Buckingham. Buckingham. No, that's how that's how they say it in England, and yes, that's how I say. Yes, but here. down here it's Buckingham. Well, I don't like ham, so that I'm sticking with Virginia is known for hams. I, and why why I'm here, I do not know. <laughs> Somehow the path has brought me here. Um, so his family chose to stay in Connecticut, and shortly after, dad left the family. And mom married Stephen Kitts, which le- led to Rivers changing his name to Peter Kitts. And then, like, he just changed his name back to Rivers. I don't blame him. Like, within a year or two. Well, I mean, think about going in high school and then you randomly change your name. To Peter. To Peter. After being known as Rivers. I mean, you can get some really cool nicknames out of that. Yo, Riv. You know what I'm saying? Great fucking nickname. And then it's, hey, Pete. No. Doesn't it doesn't really flow. He doesn't look like a Pete. He doesn't look like a Pete. That's absolutely correct. So after high school, he starts a glam metal band called Avant Garde, which is a very that good makes sense. very good name. Um the band wants to make it big, so they move to Los Angeles, but then the band breaks up, which happens more often than we think. So since he's in LA, he goes to college for a little bit, continues to write music, becomes a roadie for a band called King Size. And works for Towers rec- Tower Records. Let's now talk about drummer Patrick Wilson. He was born on February 1st, 1969 and raised around Buffalo, New York. He grew up listening to music and that one moment that changed his life at 15, he saw Van Halen. That Van Weezer makes a lot more sense now. It does, doesn't it? Yes. It really does. From there, he went into drum lessons and by his senior year of high school, him and his friend had over 30 students. Like he w- <laughs> he learned it by 15 and by 18, he's teaching kids. I love that. It's pretty great. It's how went- you really learn. Yeah. No, it's true. He went to college for a bit. Then he dropped out. On Wiki, he has a full quote about his feelings of college and the scam of it, which on the on the cusp of the announcement of 10000 or $20,000 of debt, I too agree. Yeah. It's it's just too expensive. It's too expensive for something that anyway, this is we're not going to get into it. We're we're not going into economics today. No. And who would listen to an economics podcast? They exist. God. It's like eating a brick for breakfast. Jesus. You don't want some um <laughs> financial wellness with your cereal in the morning? Have some financial woes. <laughs> Clearing your financial woes, eat some financial woes. Anyway, I'm just a bag of mixed, mixed uh, phrases today. Um, so then after his college stint, he goes to L.A., starts playing in a band called Bush. But Wikipedia was very good to uh, let us know that it's not the Gavin Rossdale's Bush. It is a different band called Bush. Bush 2, as we will call it for this outline. Beta Bush. Beta Bush. So Bush 2, in Bush 2, he met Matt Sharp, who we'll talk about later. But after Bush 2 was done, likely from like copyright infringement, um, they went to go form a, their own band, which we'll pick up later. Uh, let's hop over to Brian Bell, who is a rhythm guitarist. He was born on December 9th, 1968 in Iowa City. I need help with the timeline a little bit for this because... And you may be able to help with this because we did an Elvis Presley episode. But it says at four, he went to go see Elvis Presley. So he was born in 68. 
It's possible he saw him in Vegas right before he died, but he died in 70. No, he died in 76. So it would have worked. It's possible. Okay. It also just breaks up my brain a little bit. Have you ever seen those videos on TikTok where the guy's like timelines that will freak you out? Yeah. I want, there's a book that has like all the time, like all the major historical events like in a row. That, that was my moment. And like it it hurts the, like the fact that Helen, not Helen Keller. Anne Frank and Martin Luther King Jr. like were born in the same month. Did you know Barbara Walters is the same age as all of them? No. Yeah. Yeah. Learned that from his videos. Um, anyway, after that performance, he played all of his dad's records. He wanted to play guitar. His mom first made him play piano and she wouldn't let him play guitar until high school. He's four. Like... I'm sorry, not uh, let me insert my hot parenting, hot take parenting tip, which I obviously qualify for because I don't have any kids. Um, But does that not seem cruel to you? Like saying you can't play guitar for 10 years, ma'am, a Donald Duck guitar costs four bucks. According, (laughs) according to past episodes, the research done a cheap guitar, you get a cheap, it, it, it bothers me. But anyway, They make good on their promise and they do let him play guitar in freshman year. During his high school years, he played guitar, delivered pizza as a job, which kind of, you know, plays into each other and played in a band called Bloom Shroom. That's a great name. It's a fantastic name. And then at 18, he moves to L.A. as well. Um, He didn't want to go to college. He wanted to find himself, which I respect. Um, He started playing in a band there called Carnival Art which was signed and released three albums. Okay. Yeah, but they didn't last too long. Um, lastly, we're going to talk about Scott Schreiner, who is going to come a lot later in the picture, but he's been with the band the longest, so that's why I'm kind of covering him. Um, he's the bassist. Not much is known about Scott. He was born July 11th, 1965 in Toledo, Ohio. He didn't start playing bass till high school, which seems to be the case for a lot of these guys. Mm. They didn't really start playing their instrument till high school. Um, served in the Marines. Once discharged, he played in Toledo for a bit and a bunch of different bands. My favorite band name is The Great Barbecue Gods. That is the best band name we've I ever heard. I am telling you, name after name after name after name. I this think episode. that might beat Electric Sheep as my favorite. Oh, just wait. Just wait. I have a couple others coming down the pipeline. Mighty great. Mighty great. And then at 25, he left to go to L.A. He studied at the Music Institute. He played in more bands, but his best known role, pre-Sweezer, is playing in Vanilla Ice's band. Interesting. Mm Mm-hmm. So, how does this menagerie of, of characters, if you will, form well we got to go back to bush too so like i imagine most bands tend to start out one member meets another member who knows a guy and that's similar to what happens here river um first met drummer patrick wilson patrick wilson is roommates with matt sharp who's in his band and rivers moves into their apartment then the band kind of formed uh just between uh river and patrick wilson out of like you know, this little vibe pad they have going on, but Sharp doesn't get involved, which I think is interesting. Um, so they have this beta weezer, if you will, 
And here comes the name. So it's likely a mention. We have Electric Sheep. Mm-hmm. We have Chicken Shack. Mm. They name this band 60 Wrong Sausages. <laughs> the, uh, you could have given me 500 guesses. And I would not have wrong- up with that. No, you get 60 guesses and they're all wrong. They're all wrong sausages. That's... I... That does not beat Electric Sheep. I think the barbecue one was better, but... I'm telling you, 60 wrong sausages. It makes sense for the characters that have created I'm it. glad that didn't stick. Anyway. um, So, did it last long? No. But uh, Cuomo wasn't done recording. He went to Santa Monica to record these demos, and that would eventually become... Weezer's first album Hmm. but before we get ahead of ourselves after hearing the demos Sharp decided he was in he joined as a bass player and he also became their manager as well then Wilson Cuomo and a guy named Jason Cropper who was the original guitarist formed Weezer Uh, the name comes from a nickname Rivers dad used to call him Uh, so when the band formed Cuomo puts out this very interesting stipulation he says we either get a record deal in a year or I'm quitting and joining, going to college. I thought he hated college. No, no, no. That's Patrick Wilson. Oh. No, River wants to go. He went to college for a little bit, but then he went to go play okay. bands. Um, it's a very bold claim, for sure. Um, but somehow they do it. Um, I'm not sure like how this exactly happened. Or if this has anything to do with them achieving that goal. But their first show was with Keanu Reeves' band called Dog Star, which was a very interesting Wikipedia read. I'm sure. Like, so he just... Okay, I say Keanu Reeves' band Dog Star. What do you think he plays? Bass. Damn it! You got it right on the no- <laughs> on the nose. But he's not the lead singer. He just does backing vocals. He's just a he dude me as a lead playing singer guy. bass. Well, usually you hear Keanu Reeves' band Dogstar, like Jared Leto's Thirty Second to Mars. Nah, I was. A, he's not a. He's not a lead singer guy. He's he's a bass guy. He 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 goes in the corner. Yeah. He hangs out. I can get that. Um, a few months after that show, they record a demo that contained an early version of "Say It Ain't So." Say it ain't so. Oh, oh. I told Leah I jammed three Weezer albums today <laughs> while I was designing. And then an AR rep from Geffen hears it, and they are signed by June of 1993. No college for Rivers. Nope. So let me just give you some, like, February 1992 they form. They are signed by June 1993. A little bit past a year, but still super damn impressive. Right after I was born. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Right before I was born in February 1992, and then right they after signed you signed right after I was born. Mm-hmm. Uh, the band hits the studio in New York City. In August of that year, originally the band wanted to self-produce, but there was like no way in hell Geffen was going to let them like <laughs> let a newbie like that's, self-produce the first album. That's fair. So they bring in the producer who did um, a Cars album. It's here we say goodbye to Jason Cropper. Bye. Because he's messing with the chemistry of the band. The T is he impregnated his girlfriend and he was not thrilled. And so he's constantly like leaving like to go on the phone and yell so they're like all right bye dude (laughs) and so brian bell is brought in um as the band was preparing to record they did something a little unconventional to prepare they wanted the vocals and guitars to sound like their own separate units so for vocals they practiced barbershop quartets oh 
And it's here that Matt Sharp learned he had a falsetto. Aww. I love it so much. And then for their guitars, um, when they got in the studio, their producer told them they can only do downstrokes only. That's a Buddy Holly move. And Buddy Holly is the name of the song on this album. Yes. It I, all comes together. I was, so, I was so excited when I read that. I'm like, oh, that's such a cool fact. Um, this album, which fe- features the iconic blue background, was released on May 10th, 1994. Is it just called Weezer? Is it called the Blue Album? It's called the Blue Album. So okay. we're going to talk about it later, but we might as well talk about it now. Every single color background album, one color album, is a self-titled album. They're just the Blue Album, the Green Album. Yes. The Red Album, album, White Album. Yes. And we'll talk about that later. Well, we kind of already did, so I'll skip it. Um, So anyway, the album comes out in 1994. It's a really fucking confusing way to name your albums, Weezer, but whatever. (laughs) Listen, they do what they want. (laughs) Um, But that album, as we know from history, puts him on the map. Um, Side note, before we get into hits and accolades, apparently when the photo was taken, Matt Sharp didn't like how his head looked. (laughs) So they booted up adobe photoshop on some like 10 mb floppy disk they had and photoshop <laughs> in 1993 yes they did and they swapped out his head with another one for another shoot it looks like, pretty good to be anciently photoshopped like for the rest of you guys who don't work in marketing and graphic design this means absolutely nothing to you but for me and leah who work in marketing and graphic design this is the most hilarious fact. i just imagine it the interface is basically trying to use gimp nowadays <laughs> I just see literally like it loads and lines loads and lines is all I see. And then he like goes to click and drag and it's like the lines are moving with the it's head just moving in individual pixels. <laughs> yes. Until it finally lands there. And then he hits export leaves for the day. It's finally saved. <laughs> hey, mine did that today and it's That's 2022. True. So That's true. Your Adobe has not improved. Adobe does not like your computer. Um, but anyhow. This album became certified gold within seven months, then certified platinum by 1995, early 1995, and then double platinum by August of that year. And eventually it would become quadruple platinum. Damn. So it's a big boy. Yes. Um, The album reached number 10 on the Billboard 200. The album is also remembered for being one of the most quintessential albums of the 90s. I know this because... There was a listicle called 500 CDs You Must Own by Blender. <laughs> Speaking of CDs, people are still buying CDs? No, no, no. This is from 90s. Oh, this is a 90s article. Oh, oh, oh. 500 CDs You Must Own. I don't own. think... I've, it always blows my mind. Every time I like relearn that it's from the 90s, it just doesn't scream 90s album to me. It screams 2003 album to me. Yeah. Well, that's because me and you were probably listening to that album in 2003. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because that's like the album... It's not even a late 90s album, like into that transition it's period. It's it's as old as I am. I, I have a theory for why that is, and I'll, I'll get to it in a second. Um, But more importantly, it is number 297 on the 500 greatest albums of all time. So eventually we will get there. In 10 years. <laughs> in 10 years time when we're doing this podcast. Um, lastly, we got to do some fun song facts, of course. Uh, this is... Let me restate. The first single slash hit off the album was Undone, the sweater song. I don't know about you, but kids on our school bus sang this song <laughs> and put the emphasis on naked nope. every every time. Did not have. I didn't write the every bus, time. Oh, you missed out, man. I, I apparently did. You missed out. 
Um, it was originally written to be a sad song, but instead it's remembered as this quirky song. Um, their music video is also a one shot and has a flood of dogs that run across the stage. So, you know, I appreciate it's it. It's a great music video. Also, the music video um, and Buddy Holly, which we'll talk about in a little bit, was directed by Spike Jones. Now, hmm. I wouldn't have guessed that, but OK. Now, for those who don't know that name, he and I'm going to sound like an expert, but really I read this on Wiki was basically who you went to for music videos in the 90s. He began his career shooting skateboarding vids, probably with Tony Hawk. Um, he also would go on to become an Oscar-nominated film director and writer. He wrote and directed her, and I don't know if he wrote it, but he definitely directed it, becoming John Malkovich. And he spells Jones the Z, and I've tried to get Zach to let us spell our last name like that, and he wasn't going for it. <laughs> but the biggest part of his career is co-creating Jackass, which is the vein of my existence. I hate this show so much. I refuse to watch it. But Not Viva La Bam. Viva La Bam was funny. But Jackass is like the box wine of comedies. It's just not good it's nominal. It's cheap. It's, it's not even cheap. boxed wine. At least like boxed wine is enjoyable. It's those shitty cans you it, buy. It's literally like someone took grapes from the grocery store, hit them in like a sweaty section of the storage unit, and then in two years came back and made wine out of it. That is my literal thoughts on Jackass. It's the prison hooch of, yes. <laughs> of wine. <laughs> That's exactly right. Let me throw in this guy's filmography for you real quick. Being John Malkovich, Human Nature, Jackass the Movie, Adaptation, Jackass Number Two. One of these things is J- not Jackass like Two Point Five, uh, Schenectady, New York, Where the Wild Things Are, Jackass Three D, Jackass Three Point Five, Her, Jackass Presents Bad Grandpa. Why are there Jackass so many Jackass, Jackass movies? On, I'm not done. Jackass pre- Presents Bad Grandpa Point Five, Jackass Forever. Jackass 4.5. This is all he has to show for on this earth. Who greenlit a second Bad Grandpa movie? I don't know. <laughs> this is all this man has to show. Josh, because <laughs> I was texting Josh about it since we're both into movies a lot. And Josh said he looked like a member of Weezer. And I replied, don't salt the band like that. No. Don't do it. But also he kind of does. He kind of does. Anyway. So that's my 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 beef with Spike Jones. The song Say It Ain't So is about Rivers' parents splitting up mm-hmm. um, and is a certified sad song. But the one I'm very it's excited... A sad bop. It is a very good sad bop. The one I'm excited to talk about is Buddy Holly. Ooh, wee, ooh, you look just like Buddy Holly. So fun fact, the hook used to be, ooh, wee, ooh, you look like Ginger Rogers and I move like Fred Astaire. That doesn't work. No, it does not one bit. Um, Luke, uh, sorry, Rivers was also lukewarm on including the song on this album at all because he felt like it wasn't the tone Weezer was going for, but the <laughs> producer convinced him to. And this, oh, how the turns tables. Well, it, okay, so this is like a segment I have in here. It's surprising because you know I think of Weezer, I think of geeky, quirky. I you think know. Buddy Holly. Yeah, I think Buddy Holly exactly. But Rivers Cuomo said in an interview with Rolling Stone that, quote, I seriously thought we were going to be the next Nirvana. (laughs) (laughs) No, 
And I thought the world was going to perceive us that way. Like a super important, super powerful, heartbreaking, heavy rock band. <laughs> and as serious arter, artists, that's how I saw us. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, there's no way, dude. Your um, name is Rivers. Further. You grew up in a hippie commune. Correct. Correct. It, it ain't going to happen for you, <laughs> sir. Um, and then in another interview with iNews out of UK, he said, quote, Nevermind came out and the whole world turned on a dime. Suddenly, everything I'd been working on for eight years was the epitome of uncool. <laughs> I love it so much. Anyway, the music video. Have you seen the music video before? Probably. Okay. It's you probably have because it's super iconic. Um, the band is kind of superimposed in an episode of Happy Days. Mm. And Ron Howard and Harry Henry Winkler are included in it. What's interesting is there's no CGI going on. I mean, it's 1994. We just we just bad mouth Toy Story Photoshop exactly, but it's very cleverly like placed camera angles, and you can see it when you're looking. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, Uh, the music video was such a hit that Windows 95 chose (laughs) to add it onto their CD software. Oh shit! Download thing, like when we got free YouTube. <laughs> Back when they mailed you your videos in yes, the mail. <laughs> yes. Uh the band was first mad about it because Geffen uh did it without permission. Was this the nineteen ninety five equivalent of that U two album just showing up on yes. everyone's phone? Yes. The U two album. Yes. Um also the band was upset because they none of them owned a computer, so they didn't understand the appeal of it. They're like, Why the fuck are we on Windows ninety five? Why did you set this up? But it turned out to be like a uh, major deal breaker for their like career in a good way. Like, yeah, it was one of the things that propelled them to success. So this album placed the band, you know, more than just the map, the music video for Buddy Holly, Say It Ain't So, Undone, were on repeat on MTV. Um, I would argue like the time it was running, that was like one of the biggest peaks of MTV, in my opinion. And as you know, it would also go slowly downhill from there. Pretty much from that moment on. Yeah. Um, but as we have seen time and time again, what happens when people get fame really quickly? Yeah? Nothing great. Nothing great comes from it. And Cuomo has been left with mixed feelings of being happy that, hey, we're doing something, but not sure if this is what he wants to do. And it puts him at this crisis in his life. So in December of 1994, he starts writing these songs for a special project. Also, in March of 1995, Rivers undergoes surgery um, for lengthening part of his leg because he was born with one shorter than the other. Um, And he's on these massive painkillers. Yeah, I'm sure he is. So those mixed feelings tend to get darkened. Mm -hmm. And so his songwriting style also gets a little darkened. And he starts isolating himself, which doesn't, you know, help the matter. But like I said before, you can see early on, that he did not want to be this geeky band. He wanted to be this really like serious band. And so he explained to me why he started writing a space rock opera called Songs from the Black Hole. <laughs> did it be taken seriously, obviously? I, I don't mean I don't mean to clown on my dude, because he is super talented and he has recovered from all these things. Yes. So I think he would laugh with us. But dude, you look at your actions. <laughs> The black hole was metaphorical, okay? <laughs> yeah. It was, I was the black hole. 
um anyway um so apparently though this rock opera had a lot of darker um material than he's written a lot of people said it's modern butterfly-esque inspired and to prepare he started listening to not only Madame Butterfly, um, he listened to Aida, Les Miserables, which definitely puts you in your feelings. Um, the he dreamed a dream. He did dream a dream of time, time gone by. by. <laughs> oh. The band put um, about a year of work into it until Rivers like kind of stopped and then he just enrolled in Harvard <laughs> for classical composition. Okay. This was on his application quote and this is kind of sad this is meant to like set the tone for everything else i'm about to talk talk about he said quote you will meet 200 people every night but each conversation will generally last approximately 30 seconds then you will be alone again in your motel room or you will be on your bus in your little space trying to kill nine hours it takes to get to the next city whichever city it it is that is sad yeah so Going to Harvard, you know, kind of kills the projects. And the band takes bits and pieces of that and reworks it into something called Pinkerton, which was recorded between terms at Harvard. Now, this is one of those albums when it came out. No, no one liked it. But then when like society kind of moved towards the themes of it, it became really popular. So as I described, the album's a lot darker. Like it's super, super dark. Um, and when it was released, um, it was not treated kindly in the media. I mean, he's he's going from writing Buddy Holly <laughs> to writing a song about um, called Tired of Sex, which is the opening track about him being completely unfulfilled with sleeping with people mm-hmm. and not finding love. Mm-hmm. Like very two different, stark different. But he's, and it's 1996, five? Six, yeah. He's like pouring his heart into this album. Um, but, you know, the media wasn't kind. 1996 no um so it was voted one of the worst albums of 1996 mm-hmm. so yeah he's getting dragged left and right and it really embarrasses cuomo he wrote in um the pinkerton diaries quote this has been a tough year it's not just that the world has said pinkerton isn't worth a shit but that blue album wasn't either it was a fluke it was the buddy holly video i'm a shitty songwriter oh like, he's so sad um but you know i think one of the best things about this album is it does like i'm gonna skip ahead a little bit around 2001 is when it starts like people are picking it up it's like hey this is actually a good album like it's it's literally looking at emo music before emo music mm-hmm. took its full shape like it was that transitional album if you will mm-hmm. into where we are today with that well not today but you know what i mean where to we that were scene. in 2007 yes and really that's and I think that's why it started picking up because people were like you know hey that actually does match what I'm feeling um thank Your you dishes are clean my dishes are clean in an interview around 2001 he said you know you think he'd be happy like it became a cult classic he's not exactly thrilled about it um but in 2008 he makes peace with with it he makes peace with the person he was and in 2010 they released a deluxe edition of this album they actually tore it and then in 2018 according to rolling stone quote pinkerton was certified platinum capping the surreal saga of an album that took the better part of two decades to move from embarrassing to essential 
So I think that's a really good ending for that album. But I'm, I'm jumping ahead too much um, because it's, unfortunately I still have some sad deets. Um, after this album, it just looks like the end for the band. Matt Sharp leaves. Um, a group of Weezer fans, and they also like started the fan club, died in a horrific car Aww. crash. And it just really upset the band. Like that was actually the, the, the final like trigger, if you will. And the band goes on hiatus. So during this time, Cuomo is at Harvard, but then takes a break to focus on songwriting. He starts a couple side projects with musicians from Boston. I'm pretty sure it's like Boston, the vocation, not Boston, the band. The band. Um, they played a couple shows, didn't really last. Apparently there's tapes of those shows and are very highly regarded. Like there's only a couple of them. Um, then he tries another band, even with Patrick Wilson in it, but that slowly dissolves. And then 1998, the band gears back up to go into the studio with new songs. They hire a new bassist, Mikey Welsh, but um, he... I thought you were saying Mikey Way for a second. I was like, no, what? No, not Mikey Way. <laughs> he honestly kind of looks like Mikey Way. That's it's kind of weird. Um, but he actually like... So they were in the studio and he left to go home to Portland after being there for a little bit because he said they didn't have any direction or enthusiasm. Yeah. And at this point, Cuomo's depression is so bad... He was painting all his walls and ceilings black and blacked out all the sunlight from getting in his house. That's not healthy. No, it's not. And um, like I said, he isolates himself, refuses to have contact with the outside world. And just to add salt into the wound, he gets braces, which I'm not trying to add it for comic release, but I can like imagine like how this crushes self-esteem. Like take someone who's literally depressed about pouring their emotions into this album and then give them something that give like braces a stigma if you will for adults having braces um the band tries to get together in 1999 but then they just part ways again but something does eventually get the band into high gear in 2000 they get offered a slot on summer sonic festival in japan mm. rivers cuomo and i think a couple other members love japanese culture they're like so much. the best fans that just happened this weekend yeah yeah yeah, yeah. megan the stallion dressed as sailor moon <laughs> i love that so much but like they love japanese culture they've even like done side projects like fully in japanese or something like that um so obviously they want to play it so they start rehearsing then to like get their feet warm you know get back into it they play a couple of shows under the name goat punishment that's that's a great name and it's just nirvana and oasis covers like like they They're really want to push that grunge thing huh? yes it, you know he needed to put the nail in the coffin for yes. himself you know what i mean it's 2000 what what it could have been it's 2000 now grunge is dead yeah um but anyway so they, he does that for a little bit and so they play this festival and it's this huge comeback for them and it gives them this boost and then like i said pinkerton right around that time starts getting in a better light they also played Warp Tour that same year, which is the most important fact that is in this whole outline. Guaranteed. Uh, the band said, quote, we went in there fully expecting to be booed and to have things thrown at us. Aww. But it was exactly the opposite. People were singing along to all the songs and just going crazy, giving us the best support. And I think that gave us the confidence we needed. I love that so much. So they start writing new music, which leads to an album. Um, and so I love that they pretty much are like, okay, what about the blue album worked? 
let's do that again. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> hello, I like that song. Let's copy, let's do it again. Paste, exactly. Change background color. Done. A- exactly. Um, so, as I said, Pinkerton was self-produced. Mm-hmm. Um, so for this album, they hired back the guy who did the Blue album. Um, Cuomo does change up his, you know, writing style. He stops including personal stuff. Gives it that pop rock songwriting style. Um, they do pretty much the same album artwork like you were saying. Different pose, different color background. Same concept though. Yeah. And this is called the Green Album. And you know what? It works. Uh, the album goes number four on the Billboard 200 and they sell 1.6 million copies. Uh, the album features singles like Hash Pipe, which is a big hit for them. And one of my personal favorite Weezer songs, Island in the Sun. And this is where the Mary Kate and Ashley song uh, Mary Kay and Ashley fact comes in. Okay. So me and Leah were like literally eating dinner before this. Talk about where the old blockbuster was in town. And yeah. How I used to go there to get my Mary Kate and Ashley movies. Which is so bizarre because literally, so the fact I'm going to drop is I remember this track from being in Mary Kate and Ashley's is Holiday the, in the Sun. Is it the Australia one? Yeah. Uh, no, no, no. That's the Down Under one. This is oh. the one where they go to, well, actually, yeah, maybe. I may be getting them confused. Because there's it? one that's in Australia that I remember. And then there's one where they go to that Atlantic resort out by the, you know, what I'm talking about. I don't know if I've seen that one. The Atlantic resort that has the, uh, it's like set up like a ziggurat and you go down the slide. Uh, uh, Atlantis. Atlantis. Yeah. And like the slide, you go past an aquarium. Like that was literally the promotional material for all of early two thousand. Is the Atlantis one? Okay, that I think that was I the one. I just need to you see the screenshot that Google pulled. In. <laughs> <laughs> it is the most. What year is this? Two thousand one. Two thousand one screenshot where all three girls pictured Mary Kate Ashley, and then I guess the bitchy girl in the movie yeah. have the chunkiest. yellowest highlights I've ever seen. We all wanted them. We all wanted them. Especially us brunettes. And it was very heartbreaking when we found out what it would cost to get it. That or when we found out the sun in did not work on our hair. No, it did not. Um, But uh, one important thing to know about this album is after it was released, Mikey Welsh leaves for mental health reasons. Um, Jumping ahead a little bit. So how in the world does Scott Schreiner, like I said, he was going to come in a lot later in the story. And here he comes at first. He was brought in because they're like, well, if Mikey comes back, you know, we want Mikey to come in. So he was just provisional. And he says he didn't know that he was in the band until they started taking promo pictures for the next album. But no one told him he was in the band. (laughs) He just put two and two together. Like he's taking pictures with them. He's like, I guess I'm, I'm in at that point. You have no choice. Yeah, it, it is what it is at that point. But let's jump back into the timeline. So this next section, and it's a little bit of a long section. Holy shit, I'm at 47 minutes. I better hurry the fuck up. Been a long one. This section is called Weezer Albums Rapid Fire. Okay, good. (laughs) Because there's 15 albums. I do want to breeze through them very quickly and give facts. Um, This is going to be a very different outline than I've done in the past. Um, So fourth album's called Maladroit. I don't know. In this album, they start playing like some different heavier riffs. Like around this album, they really start kind of experimenting with their sound. And it did okay critically, but it didn't sell as well as a green album. And it's interesting because I went back and I kind of looked. Um, it seems like when they have like a colored album, it does better. It's a thing. I think it's a thing, but I'm just going to roll with it. Um, 
they also around this time did a music video with the Muppets, which is just S tier entertainment. Anything with the Muppets. It has S tier. And that's not going to be the only time we mention the Muppets in this. Amazing. In this outline. Um, the next album, Make Believe, um, which I got for Christmas one year. Can you believe that? That's funny. I can't believe I got away Your with that. Your mom bought you a Weezer album? Yes, she did. And, and then the song on there was We're All on Drugs. <laughs> I don't know how I got away with that one. She didn't read the back, I guess. I listened to it. She loves Weezer. I love that. Weezer has such a wide appeal as as a band. Um, the album got mixed reviews, but I remember liking it. So I'm going to give it a positive review. <laughs> it has the earworm that has been in every TJ Maxx for the past 15 years, which is Beverly Hills. Beverly Hills. Every time. That's where it you also is the band's play. biggest hit. Gimme, 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 gimme. gimme. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, so moving on to the Red album. In 2008, they came out with their third self-titled album. <laughs> so, <funny>. <laughs> <laughs> um, which uh is my favorite cover art by far because rivers is wearing this amazing cowboy hat. That's like, it just, it just the, the, the osmosis of the movement of this art. Yeehaw rivers. Yeehaw rivers. Well, you know what the tour was called? The No, the hoot and nanny tour. I love it so much. That's that's appropriate. Yes. I'm looking at their album covers. So it did pretty well. Uh, but the one, brain blast moment i had for me from this was the music video for pork and beans let me see if you remember this the music video is based off of what i would call phase one of the meme universe so compilation of mentos coke bottle oh my god the fucking mentos yes chris crocker the dramatic groundhog and much more that's too much well i went back and i watched it and i was like man this came out in I remember thinking like right. in 2008, this is a cutting edge music video. And then I went back and watched it. And I'm sure, you know, having gone through a Donald Trump presidency, a pandemic, you know, the great meme wars, if if you will. Um, it just it didn't age well in regards to just it's old. It's outdated. It, it, I can imagine it looks nice and crunchy. It's on crunchy, really but it's also just like, man, this content doesn't hit because content's moving so fast. Yeah. Um, I'm scrolling through these albums as you're talking about them on Spotify. Oh, yes. Good, good, good. So you have a a setup there. Um, Their next album is was in 2009. It was called Ratitude. This dog looks like my dog. It does, doesn't it? It does look like Jarvis. I have nothing else to say about that album. It looks like my dog. This is probably my favorite album. In 2010, they released an album called Hurley. To my surprise, when I opened the wiki page for the album... The artwork is just a picture it's of actor yes, of Jorge Garcia <laughs> in a very close up zoom shot. Is this a concept album? What the hell is so this? So Scott Schreiner from the band originally said the album was sponsored by Hurley Clothing, oh which is where the he said the name came from, but then was informed it was about the character. And then the band did a merch deal with Hurley Clothing after it. And I think that was like oh you mentioned us you rang kind of situation but the band said that was going to be a self-titled album and i don't understand this i went back back and forth back and forth trying to figure this out they decided not to do a self-titled album because quote since the band figured most fans would simply refer to the album as the hurley album why no one's calling it though rivers no 
I don't understand. And then the last few albums, which I'm literally just mentioning them to mention them. Everything will be all right in the end. The White Album, Pacific Daydream, Teal Album, which has all those 80s covers. That was a good album. And then Black Album, which is more of their standard sound. OK Human, Van Weezer. And then, as Leah mentioned, Seasons, which is ongoing. It'll be four albums, each album for one of the seasons. So, now that that's done, I want to finish out this story. We're going to finish out. I'm not doing a legacy section because I have, because this band is so different, we're going to do a delightful fun fact section. Okay. I had nowhere else to put them, but I just think they need to be in there. But first, I just have a question. So my question is, how did Weezer carve its spot in the American music culture? And there are a few bands, I think, make make that list that I feel like are like almost a spokesperson for American music. Like you point to them like that's an American band and that's Weezer and Foo Fighters. Mm. Like they have the same vibe. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And they go to every award show. Everybody knows them. My mom likes both those bands. No matter who you... I literally said I was doing Weezer to two or three different people today. And they go, I love Weezer. Everyone loves Weezer. Everybody loves Weezer. Everybody loves Foo Fighters. It's something about these bands. And I'm like, why is that? So I have some theories that I've made up. Part of it, I think, of Weezer's appeal is how timeless their songs feel and sound. Um, River Cuomo is, without a doubt the mastermind behind these songs. And he almost like craft a whole brand just around the sound alone. Like even on some of those albums where they're kind of like, you know, experimenting with their sound, there's almost this like Weezer sheen, if you will. Um, Like whether it's in this producing style, lyrics, guitar and bass approach that almost like transcends the songs a little bit. So when um, your marketers tell you that branding matters, Please listen to us. Um, anyway, they also like another part of it is the alt rock genre that they're a part of is still, I think, in my opinion, a, a very minimally changed genre. Yeah, it kind of like it, it was already such a wide net that it doesn't really need to change. And I think they've just been riding that train the whole time. And it's interesting because. um. In a very recent interview, they said that they've been getting a lot of younger audiences discovering them and coming to their shows. Pop punk renaissance, baby. But it also speaks to the band's sustainability, too. So I just think that's a very interesting note. Like there's just these bands in American culture. You think about them and they're just like it's almost like American Pie equals Weezer. Like it's just like you just kind of assume that that's part of it. And I think that's interesting. It's the whole Hello Megator. It's <laughs> yeah. No it's kidding. Day Weezer and Fall no Boy. kidding though. Plus Foo Fighters. Yeah. I, I was going to go on that show on that tour and I'm mad I didn't. I regret not going. Yeah. So in this in the spirit, like I said, of the band's quirkiness, here are your delightful Weezer facts that we're going to close out with. So during the whole Spotify Joe Rogan controversy <laughs> when like artists were pulling out, uh, Rivers Cuomo started his own music app called Weezerfy and it only had Weezer music on it. <laughs> Iconic move. 
Next, next fact. While Cuomo was forming the Weezer sounds during the original demos, according to a Rolling Stone podcast, 500 Greatest Albums, um, Cuomo was also dipping his foot in the rap genre. So he made a group. Rap Rivers? Here's another name for you. He named his rap little thing he was starting called Vegetarists. And it was, quote, songs about his lifelong vegetarianism in the style akin to Public Enemy and Run DMC. I don't even know how to respond to that. But I just love how his mind works. That's I get this mindset. In 2002, Weezer launched Weasel, which was a word, Wordle spinoff. Everyone um, had their own Wordle spinoff. Everyone though. did. In 2008... A game was developed called Christmas with Weezer, and it contained six Christmas carols sang by the band. Um, in 2011, Weezer and Haley Williams recorded Rainbow Connection for the album Muppets, the green album, which I think is very ironic. Which is a nod to Weezer. Yes. And then I have to end with this fact. The band performed I'm a Believer for Shrek Forever After. And that's Weezer. And I see your face. Now I'm a believer. Um, there's no good transition because we didn't drink tonight because no. we're driving to Raleigh tomorrow to see My Chemical Romance. Yes. And then what were we doing before that? We're getting sushi at the conveyor belt place. Yes. Which is a lifelong dream of mine ever since I've... S- what? There's a movie that has sushi in a conveyor belt and I couldn't think of what it was. Johnny English. I haven't seen that, so it's not... Oh. Well, that is in Johnny English. Is it in Monsters, Inc.? Is there a re- conveyor belt in Monsters, Inc.? Monsters Universe. Maybe. I, th- I swear it's There's a, a sushi Inc. restaurant I feel like they go to. I know, and they have the Monsters, Inc. sushi. I literally told someone today, because I was in Raleigh um, for Rage Against the Machine. We have that episode out with my reaction. But um, I told him, yeah, we're going to s- sushi conveyor belt. And she goes, again? And I'm like, well, Leah hasn't had it yet. And she's really excited. But yes, I would go again. I don't think you all know how much of a, of a sushi, like I'm a tourist folks. You give me a buffet and a, and a comfy couch to nap on. That's it. That's all I need. I literally can't figure out what movie it is. That I'm thinking about it's not monsters. Inc. Anyway, Stay tuned because by the time this episode comes out, we will have already done this. So there's probably going to be a bonus episode in your near future. Yes, yes. Recapping the experience. Thanks for listening. You can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Good Pods, wherever you're listening to this show. Special thanks to Death of Fawn for our intro roof. You can visit our website at shiwaraku.com. There you'll find links to our socials, show notes, ways to contact us, and our store to buy merch. And remember, don't do drugs. Don't do drugs. <laughs>